This is the Relatable Podcast with Dr. Siobhan, the place where wives are empowered to create happy and loving marriages without making over their husbands. If you are a wife looking to transform your marriage from the inside out, you've come to the right place. Get ready to hear relatable stories, practical advice, and empowering perspectives for how to have a marriage that truly lights you up inside. Now, let's get to the work of Relating Well. Well, hello there. It is Dr. Siobhan here, founder of Relatable. I am thrilled to be back with you. I love these conversations that we have, and I'm so grateful that you keep pressing play and tuning in to what I have to share. And if this is your first time listening, hello. I'm happy that you're here just the same and um, encourage you to scroll on back and find out a little bit more about me and what I do and uh, why I started this podcast in the first place. So today, though, we are going to talk about how to control your emotions. If I were to stand in a room of a thousand women and ask the question, how many of you would like to be able to better manage your emotions, how you respond in certain situations, how you react, how you behave, how you respond, right? How many of you would raise your hand? I'm pretty sure it'd be like 90% or more. And that's because I think as women, we are one, very tuned into our emotions and two, very conscious of when we overreact or when we're in an emotion that we rather not feel. I think we have a very low emotional pain tolerance. And so we spend a lot of time observing ourselves in negative emotion, but don't really know what to do to get ourselves out. And I think the mistake that many of us make is that we tell ourselves this story that we're just emotional people, that when certain situations happen, we're always going to respond a certain way. When we're triggered in particular ways, we're always going to respond a certain way. And we justify. We justify our emotions, whether they serve us or not, whether they serve our marriage or not, whether they serve our lives or not. And so if you are a woman who recognizes that maybe some of your emotions um, are not the ones you want. (laughs) Maybe if you're looking for different ways of responding, um, then this episode is definitely, definitely for you. So I thought I would start out with just a definition of emotions. I think emotion is one of those words that we throw out a lot. Um, We use the word feelings. And I think having a deeper understanding of exactly what it is, is helpful. I remember when I was first learning um, all of this stuff, that knowing what emotions were actually was really, really helpful in providing the right context for me as I approached the process of better managing my own emotions. And so um, a quick definition 
from the internet, of course, because that's where we all go to get our definitions these days, is um, it says emotions um, is a conscious mental reaction that is subjectively experienced as a strong feeling, right? A conscious mental reaction subjectively experienced as a strong feeling that is accompanied by a physiological and biological change in the body. So the words that stand out to me about that particular explanation is a conscious mental reaction, right? Conscious mental reaction. I'm sure as you hear that, you're like, but wait, sometimes I'm not conscious of it. Sometimes I just fly off the handle. Sometimes I just feel a certain way automatically. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to dig into that uh, this episode. The other piece is subjectively experienced. And the subjective part is also quite interesting because I know when I speak with a lot of women, they think that anyone would feel the same way that they feel in certain situations. And so the subjectivity of how you should or shouldn't feel in a certain situation is sort of thrown out the window because they believe so strongly that the way they responded, the way they acted was the right thing. And so of course, as objective, this is the facts, like A plus B equals C and how I'm feeling is how I'm supposed to feel. And what this definition is saying is that it's all subjective, that it's conscious and subjective. And then the last piece of this definition that is so interesting to me is that it's a physiological response and change in your body, which means your body actually responds, that emotions sort of are chemicals, like it's a hormonal response in your body that literally changes the chemistry of your body in that moment. And so emotions are things you actually carry with you. You you feel a certain way and your body feels a certain way. Another definition states that emotion... Um, is a state of mind derived from one's circumstance, mood, and relationship with others. A state of mind. So it's sort of like this is your disposition, this is your position in your mind. And whenever I hear the word mind, I think of thoughts. So it's a state of thinking, really, that emotions are caused by your thoughts. They're caused by the conscious mental reaction, which is your thinking. It's what you tell yourself. It's how you interpret a situation. Emotions are caused by your thoughts, And if there's nothing else you ever learn from me or ever really sit and think about, I want this to be it, (laughs) that your emotions are caused by your thoughts. And a lot of times we believe and we have been taught that our emotions are caused by other people. I have a four-year-old daughter and, you know, at school she's learning all about emotions and... You know, when I take something away from her, when I tell her no, 
she will say to me, you made me angry. You made me angry. And, you know, probably 10 years ago, I would have believed her. I would have believed her that what I did made her angry. And knowing what I know now, I know that that's not true. And so my work as a life coach and as someone who is conscious and aware of how our own thoughts create our emotions, my job is to sort of undo all that the world would tell her about her emotions. And I feel like you and I are entering a same process where part of what I want to help you see is that what you've been taught, what you've been socialized to think about your emotions is just not true. That your husband is not making you upset. Your husband is not making you feel lonely, angry, hurt, rejected, annoyed. That the only thing leading to your pain, your frustration, your aggravation, and your your hurt is what you tell yourself about it. The thoughts that are in your head. And so a thought at its most basic form is just a sentence in your mind, right? If you were reading a book or reading a sentence on a paper, right? That has just captured someone's thoughts, And so I want you to view your mind the same way, like it's a blank slate and that when you tell yourself something, you create a thought that you then write in your mind. And it's literally just a sentence in your mind. And that sentence triggers an emotion. It's a conscious mental reaction. It's a subjective experience. It's a state of mind. Right? You've written all these sentences in your head, on your brain, in your mind, and now you feel a certain way in response to those thoughts. How do I know that is true? So let me just give you an example. So I was doing some research from this podcast provider, and what I learned is that anyone listening to three or more episodes is going to get $1,000. In the mail, you're going to get $1,000. And so I've shared that sentence with you, right? It's now a sentence in your head. It's now a thought that I've sort of planted there by what I just said. And in this moment, you may be feeling a range of emotions. You may be excited, like, oh my gosh, $1,000? What am I going to do with $1,000, right? You may be in disbelief, like, wait, how is that even possible? I've never heard of anything like that. That can't be. She must be making this up, right? And so you feel disbelief. Or you may be curious, like, huh, how are they going to get the money to me? Do they even know my address? And so that pathway of thinking creates curiosity, right? So by the sentence I just stated, it has planted a thought in your head that has caused you to respond a certain way by your thinking. Because a thousand people could be listening to this podcast and a thousand people would have very different responses. 
Now, I could say to you, oh, actually, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm sorry that anyone listening to three episodes of this podcast is actually going to get a bill for $1,000 because I've coached you so well. Your life is radically different and I should be compensated for the value that I've just provided you. Right? So some of you are listening to that and you're like, what? Like, who do you think you are? Right? It's anger. It's like, how dare you, you know, bill me for something that I never signed up to be billed for? You may be outraged. You may be rebellious, right? Like, well, I'm not going to pay it. Like, I don't care what you do, but I'm not going to pay it. And so neither one of those are true. I made it up completely. But I use it to illustrate a point that it's the same thing with your thoughts, that your thoughts are not really true, that whenever you have a circumstance, whenever you have a situation that there are the objective facts of what actually happened, and then there are your subjective thoughts about it, your interpretation of it, the story you tell yourself about it. And you have to know the difference. You have to know the difference between the actual facts of what happened and the thoughts you generate as a result. That's really important because when it comes to managing your emotions, at the end of the day, what you're really doing is you're managing your thoughts. You're managing your thoughts. That is the way you manage and control your emotions. And so the reality is we think about 60,000 thoughts a day. And some of those thoughts are just automatic. Like we're not even conscious to the fact that those are the sentences running around in our head, right? There's a lot of stuff in there. (laughs) 60,000 thoughts is a lot of thoughts. And so there's some that we're not even conscious of that are just background noise, moving around, going about, creating emotions, creating responses and reactions in our bodies, causing us to say certain things, causing us to do certain things. And so 60,000 thoughts. And so again, some of those are just automatic. They just come up. And what I always like to say is when you notice a thought though, because some of them are going to get your attention. When you notice your thought, then that's where it gets good. And so the first step to managing your emotions, the first step to controlling your emotions is to become conscious of what you are thinking, to become aware of some of those 60,000 thoughts running around in your mind in any given day. And so There are many different ways you can do that. The way I like is really to just ask yourself, what am I thinking, right? When you find yourself in a situation and you're experiencing an emotion that you don't want or you're experiencing emotion that you know is unhelpful or unproductive or doesn't serve you, then your first step is to just ask yourself, what am I thinking? What is the sentence in my mind right now. 
And I want you to imagine literally like just going into your brain, like putting your hand to your head and like just pulling it out and placing it in your hand and just looking at it. Hmm, what am I thinking right now? And this step may be hard for some people. It may be. And I do, you know, training when I work with my clients, I definitely help them to access their thoughts. What I can share with you is a strategy I like to use is just a sentence stem, which is the beginning part of a sentence and you fill in the rest. So I'm going to give you three. So one sentence stem is when it comes to your husband. And so I'm going to focus this conversation around marriage and your husband, but you can apply this to any type of thinking in any situation. So for example, to access your thoughts about your husband, you might complete this sentence, my husband is. And then just fill it in, fill in the blanks with as many different qualities, characteristics, um, or statements about your husband that come to you on a regular basis. Another sentence stem you might use is my husband always my husband always, and then just fill it in, right? My husband always, you know, my husband is always texting, right? So maybe we can add the word is, my husband is always, or my husband always. My husband is always texting when we're eating dinner, right? That's something that if you think that, I'm sure you have an emotion about it, right? Another sentence, Tim, is my husband never, Right? Some women might think or say, my husband never compliments me. He never shows me any affection. He never comes home on time. He never spends time with me. Those are all examples of thoughts. And so if you really, really want to make progress in this area, I strongly encourage you to spend just like five minutes writing down all your thoughts right? Just write them down. There's no judgment. We just want to take a look. You have to be willing to take a look and to see what's going on in your head clearly. It's almost like if you were to go to the doctor and complain of stomach pain, right? And he didn't do an examination, right? He didn't give you an ultrasound. He didn't give you, I'm not going to list the things he should do because <laughs> I don't know all the procedures. But let's say you had, you know, your head was hurting incessantly, right? If you didn't do an MRI or a CAT scan to see what was going on inside, he could never help you. He could never give you the remedy or the right prescription to address what's going on. And so you have to be willing to look at your thoughts. And it's not enough to just do that work in your head because your thoughts are in your head. And so it's almost like you're going in there with your eyes closed trying to find something. And it's busy in there because we've already determined that there's 60,000 thoughts. So you're going to be distracted and you're going to be, um, you know, bombarded with so many other things. You're not going to find what you're looking for. And so the process of writing it out helps you isolate those thoughts that you need to access in order to change your thinking and in order to change your emotions. So that's step number one, being conscious of what you are thinking. Step number two is then to just notice how it makes you feel. So if you say, right, if one of your thoughts is, 
my husband is emotionally unavailable to me, right? This is a very common one, right? He never expresses his emotion. How do you feel? What is the feeling that you get when you think about that thought? You probably feel unsupported. You probably feel lonely or rejected, right? There are a range of emotions that you probably feel when you think that way. My husband is emotionally unavailable. I'm sad, right? So recognizing the connection between the thought and the emotion it generates for you is really, really important. And I think one of the greatest things we can do for ourselves is to increase our emotional vocabulary. I think we only know probably like 10 emotions. And there are a whole range of other emotions out there that can really get at what we are feeling. And you can Google them, literally. Like you can Google list of emotions and you'll probably come up with like a thousand, right? And knowing the full range of your emotions is important if you're ever going to manage them and change them. So again, step one, being conscious of your thinking. What am I thinking? Step two, how does that make me feel? What is the emotion I experience when I think that thought? And then step three is recognizing that you have a choice. And some of you will hear that and reject it. You'll think, I don't have a choice. It's automatic. I don't even know how to feel differently about something like that. And others of you will be like, huh, I have a choice. You'll be curious. And then some of you will be like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I do have a choice. I do. And so my job right now is not to convince those of you who are really, really rejecting it, but I'm just going to plant the seed. And what I believe and what I've noticed in doing this work for a long time is that the seeds you plant in terms of people's thinking that really serve them and seek to help them be better always get watered some way. I believe that, you know, God sends you certain messages and then he reinforces them because you need to know that information. And so if you're really rejecting this idea that you have a choice in how you think, then let's just let the seed be planted, right? And you can sort of tune out the rest or listen to the rest. Um, But for those of you who are sort of in the middle, And I like, huh, how is that possible? I want to use the analogy that I often do and imagine that, you know, something has happened and your husband has said something, done something, not said something, not done something, and you access your thought about it, right? And imagine that that thought has come to knock on the door of your mind, Right? So that thought is there. It's knocking. It just appears, right? Like you didn't 
do anything but like observe or experience what happened. And then all of a sudden a thought appears and it's knocking at your door. Okay, so you go to the door and you look through the people and you see the thought, right? This is all happening in your mind. You see the thought and in that moment, when you notice the thought, you have a choice. This is where the choice part comes in. In that moment, when you're looking at the thought, when you've noticed the thought, you have a choice. Do you open the door and invite the thought in? Tell the thought to sit down. You sit there with the thought. You look at the thought. You feel the thought. You get to know the thought. You create a lot of evidence to prove the thought. You sit there. You have some tea, you eat some cookies, you become, you know, pretty familiar with each other. And then, you know, it's later in the afternoon and you're like, oh, thought, just stay here. Like, do you want to have some dinner? You have dinner with the thought, you give the thought dessert, you watch some TV, you go to bed with the thought, you wake up with the thought, you carry it with you all throughout the day so long that the thought just becomes ingrained in your mind and it is now part of you. You don't know where you begin and um, the thought begins. You're just melded together. This is like a lifelong companion now. That's choosing the thought. Because when that thought knocked on your door, and you looked through the peephole and were aware of it, you could have said, no, thank you. No, thank you. You cannot come in today. You cannot insert yourself into my life. You cannot, you know, become a companion in my mind. I want to think differently. That is where you have the choice. As soon as you notice and become conscious of the thought, you have the choice of, is this what I want to think? Is it? And if it's not, then that's where your work begins, right? You don't control the thought coming to the door. That happens in an instant. But what you do have the capacity to do is to choose to politely thank you, but no thank you. And so step four is determining how you want to feel, right? So when that thought knocks on your door and you see it, it's sort of like, mm. I already know that when I think this way, I feel this way. And now that I have a choice, like, what do I want to feel? What do I want to feel in this moment? My husband has just done this. My husband has just said that. What do I actually want to feel? And you choose your emotion. I like to think of it as like, pretend we're at a cocktail party And I am there offering you like platters and platters of emotion because we've already expanded our emotional vocabulary and we know that there's like thousands of emotions out there. So you are at the most 
glamorous, luxurious buffet. And we're there like, what thought would you like today? What emotion would you like to feel today? What do you pick? Do you pick loving? Do you pick compassionate? Do you pick excited? Do you pick peace and contentment? Whatever you want is available to you. It's your choice. And there's an unlimited supply, so you don't have to worry about anyone getting in line before you. And so that's how I want you to think about your emotions. Like you have at your disposal any emotion that you want to feel. And so if you are constantly feeling an emotion that you don't want, if you're constantly feeling an emotion that doesn't serve you, that's not helping you, then you get to choose another one. And so I want you to think about your emotion, right? We think about at the beginning of the year, it's like, what's your word of the year? I want you to think about what's your standard emotion? What is the emotion that you want to experience most of the time? For me, it's love. Like love feels incredible. It is the best emotion. It is the most powerful emotion. And so I want to choose love. Like I want to feel love or happy or fulfilled right? What is it for you? So again, step one, become conscious of what you're thinking. Step two, identify how it makes you feel. Step three, recognize you have a choice. And step four is determine how you want to feel. What is the emotion you desire? And then the fifth step is to begin to think the thoughts that would get you there. So if I want to feel love in a moment where my husband has disappointed me, what do I have to think in order to feel love? What are the thoughts that will create the emotion of love? Because we've already identified the thoughts that create the other emotion, the negative emotion. And so now what are the thoughts that would create an emotion of love or compassion or forgiveness, right? And so then I begin to tell myself that thought, right? And so the way for those new thoughts to take root is really repetition. Because again, in your mind with those 60,000 thoughts, many of them are variations of the same negative thought. And so in order to feel differently, you have to think differently. And in order to think differently, you have to tell yourself things that, are not your natural thing to tell yourself. That's where it gets a little bit hard because the reality is most people won't do this work. Most people won't consciously train their mind to think new things. It's uncomfortable. It's counterintuitive. It goes against our human nature. But it is aligned with spirit. It is. It is what God would have for you right? The Bible talks about thinking about whatever things are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. How often are you thinking about things that are worthy of praise and that give you positive emotion? And so you have to begin to transform that first thought into something new. 
And I'm not suggesting you go from thinking my husband is emotionally unavailable to me to thinking my husband is the most supportive and empathetic person I have ever met. That would be ridiculous because there's no way you would believe that. And so in coming up with your new thoughts, it's really important that it be a thought that you can believe. And so what I recommend is this thing called a bridge thought. It's sort of bridging the gap between what you're thinking now and what would be like the extreme opposite version of it. So what's a step you can take? What's a thought you can create yourself for yourself that takes you just like one notch closer to better thinking? Just like one step to better thinking, right? And so if right now you're like, my husband is emotionally unavailable, maybe you can begin to think, sometimes he understands me or sometimes he is empathetic or sometimes he does validate what I feel and then just get evidence for that one time, right? And so you want to move yourself along this pathway of thinking better thoughts. And here's the thing, like those thoughts, the better ones are there as well. Like the Holy Spirit has already given you right thinking, You just have to open your mind and be receptive to that way of thinking. And so the strategy I recommend and what has really worked for me is that at first you're going to be resistant to it. At first you're going to want to hold on to the thought that you've been thinking because you've already invited it in for tea, for dinner. It's like your best friend. And so what I do is I identify the thoughts that I want to start thinking and I record them. I record them. Most phones have a you know, voice recorder app or something you can use, right? There's some app on your phone right now that you can use to record yourself saying something. Even if you leave yourself a voicemail, right? That's the most basic way to do it. Even if you leave yourself a voicemail. And so I record my thoughts, the ones that I want to think, and I just play them. Because the conscious effort of doing that repeatedly, sometimes I'm not in the mood to, sometimes I don't want to because I'm so stuck in my negative way of thinking and likely the same may be the case for you. And so I record them. And so in that process of recording, what am I doing? What would you be doing? You would be planting seeds there. You may listen to that recording and you're like resisting it. You're like, Ooh, I don't like that. I don't feel that way right now. I'm so angry. I'm still so in my feelings about it. And eventually Those seeds you plant will be watered, I promise you. And your heart will begin to soften and you'll start to feel differently because those thoughts are sort of infiltrating their way, right? It's almost like if you had a virus and you're getting an antibiotic and the antibiotic is these new thoughts. They're coming in and they're like taking over the viral thoughts. And so that's the first step is just, Play that recording as much as you can, as often as you can. And then when you're actually like receptive, then you might try writing out the thought. Just write it five times, 10 times, however much, right? The process of writing, putting your pen to paper, seeing your handwriting with your words does something in your mind. It imprints it in your mind at a faster rate. And then what I want you to do is once you're in the groove of that is I want you to just start speaking that thought. Just speak it. Speak it out loud to yourself. 
Say it over and over and over. Write it on your bathroom mirror. And when you see it, just say it out loud. Your words have power. We're going to talk about that so much more in this podcast because I love it. It's made such a difference in my life. And I want it to do the same for you. So that's the process of changing your thoughts. That's the process of managing your emotions. That's the process of controlling how you feel. You control what you think. You become conscious of what your thoughts are. You make the link between your thinking and how you feel. You recognize that you have a choice. You determine what you want to feel. And then you think the thoughts that will get you there. I hope this has been helpful for you. It may have like completely blown your mind and you may need to listen to it three or more times. And that's okay. You will get it. Keep at it. And soon you will find yourself in a much more steady emotional state because your thoughts are steady. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll be back with you soon. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. Now I'd love to connect with you more. Join me in my private group on Facebook, the Empowered Wives Society, or sign up for my weekly newsletter at berelatable.com. There you'll find additional resources to help you create the happy and loving marriage you desire. And of course, I can't wait to meet you right back here for the next episode. Until then, make your marriage amazing.